Welcome to the Beacon Broadcast from Beacon Baptist Church in Burlington, North Carolina, featuring expositional Bible teaching by Pastor Greg Barkman. If you'd like to correspond with the Beacon Broadcast, or if you wish to support this radio ministry, write to The Beacon Broadcast, Post Office Box 159, Alamance, North Carolina, 27201, or find us on the web at beaconbaptist.com beaconbaptist.com The Beacon Broadcast is supported in part by the gifts of faithful listeners. Now with today's message from God's Word, here is Greg Barkman. Well, back to 2 Corinthians chapter 13. We're trying to get to the end of the Second Corinthian epistle that we have been studying carefully, chapter by chapter and verse by verse, for a good many months now. And we are coming to the conclusion. And a fitting conclusion it is. Paul had poured his life and energies into this church. Paul had given more attention to this church than any other church except the one in Ephesus. Paul had visited this church numerous times and written more than two epistles. We have two of them. Two of the longest epistles that you find in the New Testament are written to this church. And we know of at least one other that's made reference to that's not in our New Testament, and possibly another one. There may have been as many as four that Paul wrote. Not many churches can claim that distinction, and yet it may not be such a good distinction after all, because so much of what Paul is dealing with in both the first and second Corinthian epistle are problems in the Corinthian church that seem to be larger than problems in almost any other church. It's not that the members of all the other churches were perfect. It's not that there were No temptations, nobody fell into sinful temptation in any of the other churches. It's not that other churches were free from problems, but it is obvious that the Corinthian church had an abundance of problems, and Paul therefore devotes to them the attention that is necessary to get them over the problems and to make sure that they develop into a healthy, functioning, Bible-centered, evangelistic church to become a, an outreach, an evangelistic hub for the gospel in that part of Greece. That was Paul's strategy, planting healthy churches in all of the major Roman cities in the Roman Empire so that from those centers— the gospel would go out to the smaller towns and to the villages and into the rural areas. It was a well-devised stratagem. We don't know if Paul thought it up on his own, so to speak, or whether it was given to him by clear divine revelation, in other words, in a vision or something like that, for Paul did receive that kind of instruction from Christ, and it very well may have come to him that way. 
But if he thought it up himself, because he certainly was a strong intellectual thinker, he he was he was brilliant. And if he thought it up himself, it's only because the Holy Spirit of God guided his thinking. In other words, if he seemed to think it up himself, that's only what it seemed to be. It was God's plan, no doubt, all along. Well, I pause to welcome you to this Monday, January 8 edition of the Beacon Broadcast. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for considering the financial requirements to keep us teaching God's Word on this station. All right, we come to see how Paul is going to conclude the second epistle. God had blessed Paul's labors, his concern for this particular church with all of its many problems. And now we see how it all comes together to conclude this epistle. And the first thing we notice is verse 8, which tells us about Paul's integrity. Let's read verses 7 and 8 together. Now I pray to God that you may do no evil, not that we should appear approved, but that you should do what is honorable, though we may seem disqualified. We dealt with that verse (laughs) several broadcasts back, more than two weeks ago. But now verse 8, for we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. What Paul is saying is that in his life and in his labors, truth is more important than anything else. Truth in his labors came above self-interest every time. He tells them in verse 7 that he desires their full obedience, their repentance, their correction. They need to take care of that before he comes to visit them. And if they respond, Paul may appear disqualified. If they, I should say, if they don't respond, if he gets there and finds some of them still in sin, then Paul may appear disqualified because some can say, well, looky there, his apostolic labors have not produced what you would expect it to produce. The fruit here is a bit spotty. Maybe Paul isn't such a great apostle after all. And so some are going to criticize him because of the failures of the members of the church. That's not surprising. People will judge me by the members of our church. I hope all of them will bear a good testimony, but it's not important that they bear a good testimony for me, so people will think highly of me. It's important that they bear a good testimony for Christ, so that people will think highly of Christ. That's the real issue. But what Paul is saying is, I love truth above personal honor. Yes, I want you to get your lives in order, before I come, because if you don't, it may appear to some that I'm disqualified. I'm not really the apostle that other people think that I am. But that's not the main thing. The main thing is that you demonstrate your allegiance to truth like I am committed to truth. I can assure you that my life is given to truth. 
It's a strong temptation to place self-interest above Christ's interest, or another way to put it is self-interest above truth. To cut a little corner here, to manipulate things over there, to, along with our labors for Christ, to shape them in such a way that we get something that we want out of it, that we get what we desire out of it, that it serves our interests along with those of Christ. But, of course, what happens is whenever we serve with that in mind, it turns out that our interests always come in above Christ's, and that's not good. We've got to just serve Christ and his truth above everything else, clearly above everything else. We, we serve Christ and take care of his interests, and we trust him to take care of our interests. And he will if we'll do it that way. I wish we could just get that nailed down. If I put Christ first and serve the interest of his kingdom as my main goal, as my total purpose in life, then Christ will take care of my interests. I give myself to his interests. He will give himself to my interests. But if I put my interests above his, then he may very well stand back and say, okay, you're on your own. I have no responsibility to do anything special for you because you aren't serving me wholeheartedly. Well, what Paul is saying here is, that's not the way I served Christ, and, the, and you know that. Verse 8 again, 2 Corinthians 13, 8, For we can do nothing against the truth, but only for the truth. Truth above all else. We can do nothing. We can do nothing against the truth. We can't. I, I have no desire to. I have no interest in doing anything against the truth. My, my whole life is given to supporting the truth. And furthermore, I'm convinced God won't let me do anything against the truth. Nothing against the truth. Not popularity above truth. Not financial considerations above truth. Not promotion and advancement in the work of the church at the expense of truth, not Christian ministry at the expense of truth, not anything at the expense of truth. I can do nothing against the truth, only for the truth. I can only do whatever I do for the advancement of the truth, which is, of course, the Word of God. The truth was Paul's highest concern, and it should be ours. That's the point. But sadly, that is not true of all. Paul had partners in ministry. Paul had companions. Paul had people who labored with him in the gospel who then demonstrated at some point that they put their own desires and interests above Christ and truth. Demas is one of those, just one. There were others. But Demas has forsaken me. Why, Paul? Having loved this present world. In other words, his own carnal desires, the things of this world. We don't know that he was necessarily plunging himself into lascivious living, though that's possible, but just to live for money, to live for 
comfort, to live for luxury, to live for enjoying the things of this world and putting that ahead of Christ. I, I, I can't get what I want if I keep spending all my time in the gospel with Paul. I've got to get on to other things. I've got to look out for my own affairs. I've got to take care of my own business. I've got to look out for my own bank account. I've got to take care of my things. And if I have any time left over, I'll be happy to throw a few crumbs Christ's way. Oh, not like that. Paul's life and ministry was entirely devoted to the Word of God, entirely regulated by the Word of God. He would only do what the Bible directed him to do. He would refrain from doing whatever the Bible forbade him from doing. And that should be true of all of us. That certainly should be true of all ministers of the gospel, like Paul was, but it should be true of all Christians. If we name the name of Christ, claim to be believers in Christ, claim to be followers of Christ, let's demonstrate it by showing that we truly do put his interests above our own. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. If I make... God's business, my business, then he will make my business his business. Do you believe that? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all of these things, that's talking about the temporal needs of life, food and clothing and shelter and so forth, the things, the needs of life. But if we will seek first the kingdom of God, then he will make sure that all of these things are added to us. They'll be given to us and given in abundance, heaped up a bit, added unto us. If we will make God's business our business, He will make our business His business. I like that, don't you? Come back again tomorrow. We'll talk about it some more. Until then, Greg Barkman saying good day. May God give you His eternal peace.